0: progress. Okay, so let's pick it up from Daf Tesvava Three lines from the bottom. So, w- what this has to do, this is just to finish the sugi. This You don't have to, it's not part of a big chashban. But we said yesterday that there was a machlekes between Rav Yaisi Haglili and Rav Akiva. Rav Yaisi Haglili and Rav Akiva of um, Yes, yeah, so the Gemara was saying like this. Machlikus Raviasya Gun Revakiva is if a relative redeems if a if a if a relative uh redeems a, a Jew that was sold to a guy, relative as opposed to a friend, whether he goes free or not. It's a machlaikas. But we said rebi, and it was based on a pasik, Mloyi Golbaila, the Yate say uh what do you call it? What the pasik whatever the pasik is. The pasik says the lush is Vimloy Golbayla Vyatubishnas. Fine. You have Rebbe. Rebbe's opinion is that no matter who redeems him, he always goes free. he redeems himself, redeems by a friend, redeems by a relative. So just stop at the end of the Pasuk, what do you need the Yatze Bishnas for? We already know that you're going up by Yovel. According to him, if you're redeemed, you go free. If you're not redeemed, you leave by Yovel. So the question is, according to Rebbe, what do you do with this last Pasuk? So the Gemara says it's very simple to end the Suggy. He used it for the following Brace of Yatsu Bishnasa If a Jew is sold to a goy. He leaves during Yoival. It seems pretty posh to this, that that the halacha is, again, you have a guy who buys a Jew. A Jew sells himself to a guy. The halacha is that he only goes free by Yoival. Now, are Jews in charge of the country? They, well, there's sort of two choices. If Jews are not in charge of the country, then, then I mean, the guy's not going to listen to you anyway. If Jews are in charge of the country, the chiddush of the pasach is that even though Jews are in charge, and you might think that we could just go in and and break in like a, like the SEAL team and just get him out of there. No, Kamash he stays. That's the Pasuk. The Chiddush is that this Parsha is talking about a guy that owns a Jew, but it's under Jewish, Jewish jurisdiction. The entire country is run by Orthodox Jews that are keeping the Torah. And the chiddush of this is that you still can't take him out, you can't just break into his house and steal the Jew until the evil comes. And and I'll prove it to you. It can't be that we're talking about a case where the Jews do not run the country because if the Jews have no jurisdiction, then the guy's not going to listen to you anyway. So you see the pasuk is referring to where Jews are in charge. And the chiddush that is that even though Jews are in charge, you could still only redeem the Jewish slave by Yovel and not before that. You can't just break into his house, huh? What is Yovel? Yovel is every fifty years. It's a year of jubilee where everything, all the slaves go free, every fifty years. So, okay, now new topic. One of the halachas is that a Jew, that you could buy a slave with kesef, with money, or a shtar, a document. That's how a Jewish slave is allowed to be purchased. It's halachically binding with a shtar. So the Gemara wants to know, how do you know this? How do you know that a shtar is effective for purchasing a slave? The Pasuk says regarding a Jewish slave woman. In Am the Pasuk says, the Pasuk is describing if you marry her, the halach is, let's say, the, the master son decides to marry her. She's Jewish, fine, they want to marry fine. The, the Pasik is describing how the husband has to treat her like any other wife. You can't say the fact that she's a slave woman, you have to treat her inferiorly. No. The pasach saying that you have to you have to treat her as fairly as you would any other wife. But what do you see? The pasik is equating a Jewish slave woman to a wife. So, how in, in what way? The posseh is being makish. The posseh is comparing a slave woman to a wife. In what way? Just like you're allowed to mekadash an isho with a shtar, you can marry a woman with a document. from So you're able to purchase a slave woman with a document. This is the source, is that slaves can be purchased with a shtar because it's comparable to a shtar kadushin Now here's the problem. The problem is like this. By a shtar kaddushin, who writes the shtar? The husband writes about the woman. He says, "Hare at You are married to me. It's the buyer, so to speak, is writing, is writing to, right, the, the woman is sort of giving herself over, the husband is acquiring, so the husband is writing the document. If you're comparing a husband's document to purchasing a slave, that would also mean that a slave's document is also written by the buyer. The buyer writes, "Hare at You are my slave. The pro- right? okay fine so that, that's how it would be again we're saying the source that you could purchase a slave with a star is because it's comparable to a star kaddushan now if that's the case then go with the math that would also mean that by a slave the one who's writing the documents from the perspective it's the point of view of the buyer just like by Kadushan, it's the point, is, point of view of the husband the problem is it's a machleikas there is an opinion that holds that every time you purchase a slave woman it has to be from the perspective of the seller meaning the father of the girl writes my daughter is now purchased to you. So that's the opposite of Kedushin. That's the equivalent of a woman writing a star Kedushin saying, ani lach. So if you're telling me that it's learned out from Shtar Kedushin, shouldn't have to be from the same perspective, that's the issue. According to the opinion that the woman herself writes the star Mechira, that she writes the deed of sale, then that would be a problem because then it's no longer comparable to a star Kedushin. Correct, or the father, because she's a child, The father writes it, but yes, but it's, it's from the perspective of the slave, as opposed to the perspective of the buyer, but if it's learned out from Shtar Kedushin, it should be the same perspective. So the Gemara says, wait a minute, This works out if you follow the view, that the master writes the document, I am, I am purchasing you similar to Hareat Lee, Elamanda Omar, Avkoisfoy. But if you follow the view that the father of the slave writes it, so it's from the perspective of the slave giving herself over, then Mayakal Memar, then it's no longer comparable to Star Kadushan. Deitmar, what are these views? Star, who writes the deed of sale by a slave woman, so Sharmi Kaisvah, so Ravhuna Amar Adan Kaisva. Ravhuna says it's like Ishtar kedushin. It's the master who writes it, the buyer. Ravchizda omar av kaisar. Rakizda says, no, it's the it's the slave person who writes it. So hanika, l'ravuna, l'ravchizda maikalamema. According to Ravchizda, it's no longer comparable to Ishtar kedushin. So then what is the source that a slave can be purchased with Ishtar? So the Gemara says, Amrabachabar Yaakov Kray Kra Kit Say Savadin. The Pasik says. That a slave does not leave like a non-Jewish slave. Right? The halacha is that a non-Jewish slave, if you own a non-Jewish slave and you hit him, and you break a, a bone, he goes free. Now that's not true by a Jewish slave. Now a Jewish slave, you'll have to pay for the person, and you'll have to go to court. I'm not saying it's allowed, but they do not go free. The Pasik specifically says, A Jewish slave does not leave servitude the way a non-Jewish slave does. But what's the implication... The pasuk implies a slave, a Jewish slave doesn't leave like a non-Jewish slave, but it's purchased like a non-Jewish slave, and just like a non-Jewish slave is purchased with a document, so to a Jewish slave is purchased with a document as well. So now we have a second source of how do I know you could purchase a Jewish slave with a star? It's because the pasuk says that a Jewish slave does not leave like a non-Jewish slave, but the implication is doesn't leave like a non-Jewish slave, but it's purchased like a Jewish slave. A Jewish slave is purchased like a non-Jewish slave. In what capacity? With a star, umayni ustar. Okay. So right now, again. So what's the source? The pasuk tells us that a Jewish slave does not leave servitude like a non-Jewish slave, but the implication is that a Jewish slave is purchased like a non-Jewish slave. In what way? A star. Now, there's another way to purchase a non-Jewish slave, and that's called chazaka. Chazaka means make them work for you. Right? Chazaka by a non-Jewish slave. There's a couple ways to purchase a non-Jewish slave. You could purchase them with money. You could purchase them with a star. Or you could just have them work. Say, hey, go 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 go, uh, get me a drink, and that that itself is a Kenyan. That itself is a form of a Kenyan. So you're telling me that a Jewish slave is able to be purchased like a non-Jewish slave, specifically with a star. How do you know it's star? Maybe it means chazaka. Maybe it means that a star doesn't work, but if you go to a Jewish slave and you say to them, hey, just start working for me, and they start working, that that itself is a purchase. You're comparing it to a non-Jewish slave, but how do you know to compare it regarding shtar? Maybe you should compare it regarding chazaka. The Gemara says, So how do you know that a Jewish slave is purchased with a shtar? Maybe it's only purchased with a chazaka. So Amar Krah, no, chazaka is out. I'll tell you why. The Pasuk specifically says that you could purchase a goyish slave with chazaka, which the implication is not a Jewish slave. Okay, so here's the problem. Here's basically the problem. The problem is like this: we have two different drushes, two different implications from the pasuk. One pasuk implies that a Jewish slave is able to, able to be purchased like a non-Jewish slave, but one pasuk implies that they can't. Okay, so now that means in one way a Jewish slave is going to be able to be purchased like a non-Jewish slave, but in one way not. So So there's there's two options. You could say, so one yes, one no. It's two different psukim. So I could say, yes to shtar, no to chazakah. Or I could say no to star and yes to Chazakah. Well, how do you know which one? Again, we're trying to figure out what's the source that a Jewish slave can be purchased with a document, using a document, and we'll see what the lushan is. But you're right, I, I am purchasing you with a document. Fine. That works. Why? Because we learn that from Goyim, buying a non-Jewish slave. What about Chazakah? Nah, because the passage says non-Jewish slaves only. So it's like, how do you know to include a shtar and to exclude a chazaka, maybe you should do the opposite. Maybe you should include chazaka and exclude a shtar. How do you know? So the Gemara says, ma is, how do you know? Out of the two, if I'm going to include one, again, I could only include one, either shtar or chazaka, one of the ways to purchase a Jewish slave. The Gemara says it probably makes more sense, shtar. Why? We use shtar a lot. We use documents a lot in Jewish law. You have kedushin, you have a divorce document. We use it a lot. So therefore, when you're buying a Jewish slave woman, it makes sense that shtar would be in, as opposed to chazaka, where we don't find chazaka as often uh, being kinyanim by Jews. The Gemara says, "Wait a minute." What about the fact that? you could have chazaka. We do have chazaka by Jews regarding the, the the items of a convert. Right? The, the halach is, let's say you have a convert who has a house and then they die. Everything in the house, there's no one, they have no relatives because they have no relatives, right? Because they're a convert so they're not related to their non-Jewish family. They don't have any children. They don't have any brothers, no sisters, no nothing. They have no one on planet Earth that, relate, that they're related to. Their whole family got wiped out. So what do you do with all their stuff? The answer is Anyone who wants to take it? Chazaka, just go take it. So Chazaka means healthcare? Chazaka, yeah, it's it's sort of a way of just acquiring things. You just take it. You just take it. So you're telling me that, again, you have a choice. We could include for a Jewish slave woman for her purchase. You could you could say shtar, yes, chazaka, no, or chazaka, yes, and shtar, no. So we said, probably shtar, because you could marry a slave woman, you could divorce a slave woman, shtar, shtar, probably shtar. Chazaka also, you, you have chazaka in Jewish law regarding the, the property of a non-Jew, uh, of, a, of a convert, and he has no relatives, that's Chazakah. So why are you assuming that Chazakah yes and Shtar no? So the Gemara says, The answer is, at least when it comes to marriage, it's always Shtar. Right? You have a Shtar Kedushin, you have a divorce document, marriage stuff, it's all divor- it's all documents, and when you're purchasing a non-Jewish slave woman who you could eventually marry, it makes more sense that Shtar would be in and Chazakah would be out. Or, another answer, Another answer, and that is like this. Just to review, we started this discussion a few minutes ago. What is the source that you could purchase? A, non, a, a Jewish slave is able to be purchased with a document. So we said, because the Pasuk compares a Jewish slave woman to a wife, and just like a wife has star kedushin, so to a slave woman has star star You could buy her with a star. But we said, but wait a minute. According to Rav Chizda, the staros are written from different perspectives, right? You have so you have one drasha that includes a star. But we said the problem is that it's from different perspectives. According to Rav Chizda, a star kedushin is from perspective of the buyer. A star slave is from the perspective of the seller. So it doesn't really work in. So we said, okay, put that aside new one and that is the Pusik implies that a way that you could purchase a, a non-jewish slave is how you'll purchase a jewish slave how shtar maybe chazaka i don't know i don't know i don't know we're going back and forth back and forth you know what it is the answer is you're not sure you could include a shtar and exclude chazaka or vice versa you're not sure so let's take that first drasha, bring it back in that first drasha included shtaros but you didn't like it because the perspective wasn't perfect okay but now you have a second drusha which could include a star or could include chazaka, and you're not sure? Well, we'll take that first one and we'll say that first one tells you star. Again, this second drusha, we're not sure. It could include star, exclude chazaka, or vice versa. We're not sure whether it's including star or not. You had that first drusha that was including star, and yes, it wasn't perfect, but it tells you. It sort of, it tells you the direction to go with this one. This second drusha, whether you're not sure to include a shtar or not, we'll take the first drusha, which included star, and we'll put it together and we'll say, okay, it must be Hashem wants that you could actually purchase a slave with a shtar. That must be the direction that Hashem wants. Okay, now, just to finish up this little sugya, I know this is a little tricky, but today's daf is drosha, so That's that's, what, that's where we're at. Uh, um, the question is like this. We started the discussion by looking for a source that you could purchase a slave with a document. So we set up drosha because it compares it to marriage, just like shtar kedushin, so to star kinyan, We said that only works according to Rav Huna because according to Rav Huna, the perspective of the star by a slave is the same perspective as a shtar kedushin. So it works out. But according to Rav Chizda, there are different perspectives, so it doesn't work. So we had a second drosha of lo seitzay ketseis Very nice. According to Rav Huna that the first drusha worked According to Rav Huna, the perspective perfect. It's perfect. The first drasha is all you need. What does he do with the second pasuk of Los which we use to include Ishtar, star? Rav Huna already knows that you could include a from the first drasha. So, what does Rav Huna do with Rav Huna highly My What does Rav Huna do with the second with the of which we use to tell you that you could purchase a Jew with a star? Rav Huna already knows that. So the Gemara says. What this tells you, this is what I mentioned before, the Pesach tells you, the drasha is to tell you that if you hurt a non-Jewish slave and you break a limb, they go free. If you break a limb of a Jewish slave, they do not go free. They do not leave the way non-Jewish slaves do. That's what he understands, the Pesach. Rav Chizda, how does he know this? He says, I learn out from both. Rav Chizda says, the extra word ketseis teaches you both. Meaning, the Pesach is telling me that a Jewish slave will not go free if you break a limb. The extra ketseis tells you that a Jewish slave is able to be purchased with a star. That's the, that little uh, sugya. Whew. Let us go weiter. That was only the first part. Then the Mishnah said, atzme How does a Jewish slave go free? So one way is years. A Jewish slave only works six years. After six years, he's done. That's it. After six years, he's done. He gets to go home. So that's the first one. What's the source? The pasuk says, Sheh Shavonim yabid." The Pesach clearly states that a Jewish slave only works six years. If they choose to stay past six years, that's when they get the piercings in their ear. But general s- s- servitude lo- l- uh, length is six years. Okay. A second way they go free is yovel. Again, during yovel, during that year of jubilee, they go free, even if that yovel is two years in. What do you mean? It's not Shemitah. That's I want to make it clear. It's not Shemitah. It's six years. Oh. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I used to think that it was Shemitah. I, I, I use the terminology of because it's the seventh year, but I, I apologize. It's not, I don't believe it's Shemitah. It's you get six years. And then the seventh year, you, you're, you're done. It's like your Shemitah. Like it's the slave Shemitah. You know what so I mean? If you want to stay past the Yovel, like it's. No, you can't stay past Yovel. You can stay past the sixth year. The reason most of them become slaves is because they have to like, pay a debt. Correct. So if they become a slave and Yovel hits two years into the slave, oh, so they could. Oh, so you're saying a good point, which is that they still owe a certain sum. Oh, so so no, so the sum is gone, meaning. But but let's say they want to go back to being a slave. Let's say they they were making good money or whatever it is. They could choose to be a slave again, but they don't have to. The point is, you're free. You want to re up we'll have a discussion we'll talk about that a slave could always make himself a slave again but the point is yovel he's he's done if he wants to re up with his master listen he was probably very happy with the arrangement sure he could talk to him and that's that's a conversation they could have but but he's definitely free now the gemara says what's the source yovel the Pasuk says you are free by yovel now bigaron kasaf another way that a slave can go free the third way is to pay his way out I'll give you an example. Let's say he was a slave because he owed the guy $600, okay? He's serving for six years. So the way you make the math is each year is valued at $100. Let's say after three years he wants to buy his way out, he pays $300 because he worked for three years, each year being $100. He already worked for $300. If he wants to pay off his debt, he could pay his way out of $300, so, how do I know this? The Gemara says, The says he shall pay. What this Pasuk specifically teaches you is that the master has to work with him financially. Meaning, you don't just say, Well, I bought you for $600. You owe me $600. No, you owe me for $600. Each year is valued at $100. If after three years, I don't have to pay you $600, I pay you $300. The Gemara says, Now, the uh, Tana, the Brysa adds, that a slave can go free with kesef, he could pay cash. Shove a kesef, he can give like silver, anything valued like cash. Ubishtar, or he can give a document. That means the slave can give a document to get out. So the question is, what does that mean? Bishleim kasef. let's go through the sources, we'll figure out what it means. Kesef, I understand, let's find sources for everything. How do you know that a, Jew, a slave can buy his way out with cash? Tikhsiv, mikesef miknaso. The says he purchases himself out with cash how do I know that it doesn't have to be cash? It could be, uh, you know, a, a car that's valued at cash. It doesn't have to be actual cash. It could be something that has the same value of cash. The Apostle says, Yashiv gula so The Apostle says he shall pay his redemption, which doesn't say money. Fine. The third way is with a document. Now what does it mean, a document? What does a document mean? Elo hechidami. What's an example of a document? There's two ways that a slave can write himself out with a document. Option number one. Yeah. Um, option number one. I'm sorry. I just want to get this for the next homage. Gemara says here. Okay. What, what is the what type of what type of document is it that he's writing? Let's say it's very simple. He's writing a check, right? A check is a document, right? It's a document saying, I owe you money. Now we have the system, is you take the check, you go to the bank, and they give you money. That's what it is. This check is a document that represents cash. So maybe the slave wrote a, a star. Let's say he's he owes, he, uh, let's say to set himself free he has to pay six hundred dollars so he's like here i owe you six hundred dollars he gives it to the guy the guy trusts him he's like fine okay you owe me go now let me ask you a question that's not a star that's cash right the Bryce is listing ways for him to get himself free cash shove a kesef, or a star This shtar is basically cash, right? Wouldn't we, if I were to ask you which category would you put a check in? Would you put it in the money category or would you put it in the document category? You put it in the money category. It's money. It represents money. It's money. So you're telling me if if the shtar that he's writing to free himself is, I owe you $600. Here, take this to the bank. It's a promissory loan. You could take this to the bank and they'll give you $600. It's a check. Then that's really cash. So why is it like a new category? It's basically cash. So the Gemara says, you know what? But it's 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 a loan document that you take to the bank and they give you cash. I mean that's that's. I'm, a I'm saying short. fine, it's shavu But it's it's yeah. But the point is, it's it's in the it's in the it's in the kessaf family. So the gemara says, Hainu Kesef, Elishikhar. Rather, the case is that a, um. Yeah, the answer is like this. Yeah, one second. Yeah, so. Yeah, the answer is the the star is not written by the by the slave at all. The star is written from a different perspective. It's not the slave writing uh, a check to the master. Rather, it's the master writing a document to the slave saying you are free. That's the star. When it says that a slave can go free with a star, it means the master writes a star saying you are free. Oh, so the Gemara says, wait a minute. a Why do I need a star? Can't this master just go in front of two people or in front of a bezdin and say he's free, right? He has to write it on a document. You are free. Why? Why can't he just say in front of two zil go, or in front of a bezdin? Why does he need a star? So the answer is Rava. The answer is when when you own something, you can't just. It doesn't leave your property by just saying so right? Hefker is one thing. Hefker is a specific terminology. Put Hefker aside. If I, if I just, if I have this, this phone belongs to me, this computer belongs to me, and I say, it's yours. Is it yours? No. You have to do some form of acquisition, some kinyon. There has to be something. You have to do something to make it yours, right? That's why, by weddings, right, they pick up a handkerchief, right? They do a document something. If something is mine, I can't just say it's yours. Well, what does it mean? So the answer is, a slave belongs to me. I can't. If I just say to the slave, you're free, that doesn't do anything. It it, it, it doesn't do anything. You have to actually do a kinyan. One of the kinyanim is a star. But just saying you're free when you actually own the slave. That doesn't work. That doesn't uh, doesn't do anything. Okay. Now we're going to start a new sugya. We're going to run through. So, I'm yeah, just for one second. So here's what this sugya is going to be doing. You're shutting it off. No, no, no. I'm a, for a second. Just one degree. Um, so basically, it's like this. We're going to have one halacha, and then it's going to be a long discussion until the end of the daf. But it's one thought. It's just one thought. The discussion is like this. Okay, a slave goes free with six years of work with Yovel, or another one is if you already had the piercing and then the master your master dies, you also go free. And the last one is a Jewish slave woman if you had the piercing already and then the master dies. Yeah, yeah, and then the master dies, you go free. It's another way. You could, again, you could always stay afterwards, but you're technically free. You're free. And the last one is that a slave woman goes free when she reaches bat mitzvah. When she's 12, she goes free automatically. Okay. So the question is like this. Is there another way? That's what the Mishnah said. So the Gemara says, I'm Reish Lakish. Reish Lakish has this Chedish, and the rest of the Da'af, we're going to try to figure out Reish Lakish's uh, sources for it and questions on it. Reish Lakish said as follows. am every akein atzma misas in Amma Evriya, which is a Jewish slave woman who was sold by her dad under Bat Mitzvah, so she goes free at Bat Mitzvah. Another way that she goes free is if her father dies. If her father passes away, she also goes free. That's where shlokish came up. Now, nobody said this before. This is a novel idea of Rish Lakish. That if the Amma Evriah's dad passed away, she also goes free. What's the source? Why would that be? So the Gemara says, I have a Kalvachomer. From the following Kalva adon. If turning bat mitzvah, right? Reaching the age of 12 makes her no longer a slave, but she's still, her father is still in charge of her financially, right? The halacha is that the father is still in charge of a girl financially until she's 12 and a half. So reaching 12 works for a slave, but doesn't remove her from her father's jurisdiction. Misa, then the death of her father, the death of her father, that definitely removes the father's jurisdiction. She's no longer a slave. Meaning, if aging 12 years old, 12 years old and the physical maturity that comes with twelve with the two hairs and all that stuff, if reaching the age of 12 makes you no longer a slave, but you're still in your father's domain, then the death of your father, which removes your father's domain, should definitely remove you from being a slave. Now, by the way, the Gemara on Ahmed Beis is going to point out there is a difference. The difference is that when you reach physical maturity, you're no longer a slave because you're physically a different person. Your father's death doesn't physically change who you are. So that's one point, put that aside. But the point is Rish is is making a new Chiddush, and that is a Jewish slave woman leaves servitude when her dad dies. Now here's the problem, and this is what we're going to have until the end of the daf. Nobody says this. Every Tana that lists ways they go out nobody mentions it so the question is are they not mentioning it because they just omitted it accidentally or is that omission on purpose because he's incorrect and that's basically what we're going to have so Yishlakish has this new chiddush that a Jewish slave woman goes free when her pa- father passes away it's not in our Mishnah it's not in the Bresa and the question is there's a concept which we're going to deal with called Tana vishay, which is that sometimes the Brysa doesn't list everything so the fact that it's omitted is not a big deal on the other hand you got to prove that the Brysa omitted other things to make your omission, you know, coincidental. Okay, let's see it inside. What did the Mishnah say? The Mishnah said, you say, I love amavriya. The Mishnah says that an Amavriya goes free when she turns 12 years old. Now, if you're right, how come it's not in our Mishnah that she also goes free when her dad passes away? How come that's not in the Mishnah? It's omitted. So, Tana Veshairi. Shlaka's response, our Mishnah li- left out other things. So the fact that it left out my thing is not a big deal. It left out other things also. What else did it leave out? Again, if I ask you a question, I say, well, what you said is not in the Mishnah. You said, well, the Mishnah left it out. Well, that's very, very convenient, right? You're like, ooh, I'm right. It's just not in the Mishnah because it left it out. Prove to me that it left out something else to make your omission coincidental. If you can't prove something else it left out, then that's just a cop-out for you to say, oh, it accidentally left mine out. Well, prove it left out something else. If you can't prove me something else, that means that it omitted it on purpose. So what else did the Mishnah leave? What else did the Tana leave out? Again, the Tana was listing ways that slaves go free. It didn't list your ways. You said, well, it missed other things. What else did it miss? Shair Mises Ha'odon. It left out that the slave woman goes free if her master dies. Again, her father is a chidosh of reish lakish. If her master dies, she also goes free. So that's not in the Mishnah. So the Gemara said, no. That, no, no, that's not an omission. Why? Because the halacha is, if the master dies, the slave woman goes free, and if the master dies, the guy with the piercing, the man with the piercing also goes free. That applies to both men and women. Our Mishnah was listing a thing that only applies to women. So what did you say? Your thing should be in the Mishnah, that if the father dies, you go for the answers. It, It left out other things. What did it leave out? The death of the master. The death of the master applies to both men and women. Therefore, it wouldn't be in the Mishnah anyway. It wouldn't be in this part of the Mishnah anyway. So, therefore, we're back to the original question, which is that if you're right, Rish Lakish, why is it not listed in the Mishnah? So why is it not listed in the Mishnah? That again, if the master, if the father dies, she goes free. The answer is. The answer is the Mishnah did not want to list things that are um, sort of fluid, right? Everything in the Mishnah is clear. Six years, it happens. Every six years, it's going to happen. Yovel happens. A girl reaching twelve years old and having two hairs, it happens. The only thing that really doesn't belong in the Mishnah is the death of the Father. I don't know when that's going to happen. Only Hashem knows when that's going to happen. The Mishnah did not want to list it, not because I'm wrong, says Rish Lakish, but because the Mishnah did not want to list things that are fluid, things that you can't bank on. Like, I don't know when it's going to happen. Everything else in the Mishnah, I know exactly when it's going to happen. Six years, Yovel, uh, 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 reaching maturity, all of these things are clockwork. I can put my, I don't know when the when the master's going to die, when the father's going to die, I, who knows these things? Therefore, it doesn't belong in the Mishnah. Wait a minute. The Gemara says, But reaching the age of matur- maturity is also not like you don't know when it's going to happen. Again, we here's the concept very quickly. I, I don't. It's late, and I don't have time for this. But very very quickly, the concept that a bar and bat mitzvah is twelve and thirteen is a little arbitrary. It's not really 12 and 13. It's when they reach physical maturity when they start growing pubic hair and all that stuff. Now, we don't know when that is. We assume 12 and 13, right? So, because the average kid at 12 and 13 is mature enough. There were people that mature later, right? Again, we're not gonna know because no one's gonna ask somebody that. So you said in the Mishnah, it, it, it omitted the father's death, not because it's wrong, but because it's fluid. Everything in the Mishnah, I could tell you exactly when it's gonna happen not physical maturity for some girls it's 12 for some girls 11 and a half for some girls 12 and a half 13 I, I don't know physical maturity it changes based on the person so that also is fluid and yet it's in the mishnah so the gemara says Amref safra elim kidsbalam aylov yisham go the next page lamata the answer is physical maturity while it is fluid when it'll start but i could tell you when it won't start meaning there's a, there's a minimum age if let's say a kid reaches physical maturity when he's 8, do you think that he's uh, bar mitzvah? No. Because that doesn't count. There's a certain age, you're right. I can't tell you when it'll start for most people because it could start when you're 13, 14, 15, but I could tell you when it won't start. I could tell you when it's I could tell you it's it's solid that it's too early. How so? Again, for a male, physical maturity is two pubic hairs. That's a, so when is that? The average kid is 13. It could be later. But I can tell you when it's not going to happen. How so? Titanya. Tanya, Ben Teish Cyrus, Shuma. If let's say a nine-year-old kid has physical maturity, has two pubic hairs, can you count him for a minion? No. But he has it. The answer is, we, that must be a mole, or that's just growth. That's not a sign of physical maturity. Nine, too young. Ben Ad from nine to twelve, Odin Bo, Shuma. So from nine to twelve, if he still has it when he's mature, then they do consider it a sign of maturity. I'm sorry, of Odenbo, Shuma. The Tanakama feels that even from 9 to 12 is still considered a mole, it's not a sign of maturity, meaning you can't mature below the age of 12. Rav Yosef, he says, no, from the age of 12 you could. And definitely from the age of 13 on, it's a sign of maturity. Point is, it does belong in the Mishnah, because while I don't know when it'll start, I can tell you when it won't start. It can't start before 11. It can't start before 12. So, back to the original, this is a refutation, so therefore Rishlokish is sort of being knocked out a little bit because Rishlokish's Chiddush is not, uh, I'm sorry, Rishlokish said that if the father dies the slave goes free. I Why isn't it in the Mishnah? The answer is because it's fluid. I can't tell you when it's going to happen. What about physical maturity? The answer is physical maturity, I can tell you when it's not going to happen. So therefore it's not listed in the Mishnah, but it's not incorrect. Okay, let's go weiter don't have a lot of time and this is going to take me some time. Let's go back there it. Moser Asakasha. on the bottom of the amid. On the bottom of the Ahmed, the Mishnah lists a It's machlaikis Tanoim. One of the Halachas is that when a slave goes free you have to give them gifts. Okay. So the, the Machleikist Tanoim is if a slave runs away do you have to give him gifts? The Gemara is obviously going to ask, if a slave runs away, you should he has to work again. But okay, fine, we'll deal with that. But the point is, if a slave runs away, do you have to give him gifts? a Rav Shimon says as follows. Rav Shimon says there are four types of slaves, That there are four ways that a slave goes free that you have to give him gifts, three to apply to women and three to apply to men. Meaning no one type of slave, no female will have all four types and no male will have all four, all four types. Now, if you look at Rashi, Rashi says like this, Rashi says, "What now?" It doesn't say what are those four types. So we're assuming it's as follows: those four types, six years, uh Yovel, Nirza, and uh, the death of the master and a girl reaching the age of maturity. Those are the four. So four, six years, Yovel. Uh, 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 someone with a piercing whose master died, and physical maturity for a girl. That's what we assume the four are. The question is, if those four are the listed, and it says that it doesn't apply all to women or all the men, because women don't have piercings, so the piercing one doesn't apply to women, and it doesn't apply to men because the physical maturity is only women. point is, those are the four. You know what's omitted from those four? Rish Lakish is just teaching of the death of the father is not is not in the list. So the Gemara says Masiv Rishes Rav Shimon said there are four different types of severance pays that you'll give for a slave. He doesn't say which one, but he says Gimel beishv Gimel be'isha. Three of them involve a man. Three of the vavava, women. And all four cannot apply to either. How so? The physical maturity only applies to a woman, not a man. So man cannot have all four. And the whole piercings does not apply to a woman. And therefore it cannot apply to a woman. All four cannot apply to a woman. Now he doesn't say which four there are. Now if he's right, if Rishalakish is right, that the father's death also sets the amavriah free, then how come it's not listed in the Mishnah? So the Gemara says, and again, the fact that it's omitted is itself uh, a refutation so the Gemara says so give the same answer and that is that the Mishnah listed it's it's omitted but it listed it that other things also for Arba the problem is you can't say Tana when it says four when it says four it means four only you can't say it's Tana it says four and if you say okay well maybe it's not listed in the Mishnah not because it's wrong but because the same answer that we have before the Mishnah did not want to list things that are fluid the death of the father is fluid you don't when it's going to happen happen, but wait a minute, isn't one of the four, the death of a master, I'm sorry, isn't one of the four, four simonim, one of the four is physical maturity, which we said is fluid, okay, you'll answer that very simply, again, you'll review this again, this is one of the harder dafim, for anyone who's new to dafim, this is one of the harder dafim, and if you'll say that, and if you'll say that, well, physical maturity Maybe it's not fluid because you know when it's not going to start. Here's the kits of the issue. The Mishnah lists four ways. It doesn't list the death of the father. How come it's not there? So you'll say, well, it's omitted. But it omitted other things. Why? Because it didn't list it, not because it's wrong, but because it's fluid. But isn't one of the four the death of the master? What's the difference between the death of the master and death of the husband? The death of the father and the death of the master. What's the difference? They're both the same. They're both fluid. And if death of the master in, why is death of the husband not in? It must be because you're wrong. So the Gemara says, no, Mises Adonami Lokotan. The answer is, take out death of the master also. Death is not involved in this mission. The mission did not want to list things that are fluid. Death is also out. Death of the master is also out. So how do you get to four? Elar, but my new word of the four. Shonim, going free after six years. Yovel going free at Yovel. Yovel Sharetziah, the third one is that if the person had the piercing, he also goes through for Yovel. So it's six years Yovel, Yovel after piercing, and then physical maturity by a woman. So take out death of the master. And the fact that the death of the husband's the father is also not there, is not because Rish Lakish is wrong; it's because the Mishnah did not want to list anything fluid. Halchinam I'll prove it to you that those are the four, and it's not death of the master, but rather it's shanim yovel yovel seifa arba siman be'ish be'isha be'isha Arba I'll prove it to you because if the death of the master is actually in there, Rav Shimon kept on saying that you can't have all four apply to a woman. But if, if the death of the master is actually in there, I'll tell you how it could apply. You could have six years, Yovel, uh, physical maturity, and the death of the master. All four could apply to women. So it must be the fact that Rav said one of them does not apply to women, it must be the death of the master is not there. Rather, it's six years, Physical maturity. Yovel, and then Yovel after piercings, which does not apply to women. So, so we're still good with Rish Lakish, But now we're going to knock Rish Lakish out of Gamri. Now Rish Lakish is going to be completely rejected. Mosev, Rav Amram, this Bryce lists all the ways that you give severance gifts to slave. Hayotze B'Shanim, leaving after six years. Yovel, leaving after Yovel. Mises Ha'odon, death of the master. For a slave woman, and death and physical maturity which one is glaringly not there death of the father and don't tell me that it list it didn't list things that are fluid because death of the master is there the fact that death of the master is there not death of the father means that the death of the Father is not a thing, and Rishlokish is officially rejected. Let me just get there. The Gemara says, And if Rishlokish is right, that the death of the Father also sets you free, Why is it not listed? And don't tell me that it it omitted things, because it says these. These mean these only. And don't tell me that it didn't list it because it's fluid. Well, physical maturity is also fluid and yet it's listed. So the Gemara says, But wait a minute, and don't tell me that it's fluid, because I'll tell you why. The death of the Master is in the list. If the death of the Master is in the list, when you obviously don't know when it's going to happen, then why is the death of the Father not? It must be. Death of the Father is not a thing. To derish to Tiyufta to is officially rejected. Now, over the next, it's 8.22, we'll be done by 8.30, six, uh, six minutes. I mean made his own own? No, so it means that his opinion he he felt was correct and he based it in on psukim and a kavachomer. But when he's an Amorah, he's a later authority. If the mishnah and the rabbis who wrote the mishnah is disagree, then you got, you got to back down. So he thought he was right, but when earlier Rabbonim disagree with him, then he can't argue with them. So the gemara says he's now what so. exactly now here's the problem. He had a kavachomer. I understand that he's wrong. I get it. We're rejecting his opinion. But he had a Kavachomer. His Kavachomer is that if physical maturity sets you free, Kavachomer, the death of the father, should set you free. What's the problem with that? The answer is physical maturity sets you free because there's a physical change in the woman. Death of the father does not change her physically. That's why that kavachomer is flawed. The Gemara says, The is flawed. The difference is the death of the father does not change her physically. Okay, one more slight, slight sugya just to finish up, cap off Lakish, and then we'll do one little bit and then we're done. we we'll eight thirty. We'll be done. Tani chada. Okay, we're going to try to attempt one more time to prove Rish Lakish right. That if the father dies, she goes free. One more attempt. How so? One b'raise says, Anak ivri Who gets the severance pay? Again, when a slave goes free, you have to give them gifts. Who gets it? So you say, they get it. Yeah. So the b'raise says, When you give a gift to the slave, he gets to keep it. Anak and when a slave woman goes free, she also gets it. Okay so it makes sense but another brysa says but the other, there's another Bryce that says no other Bryce says you know who gets her severance pay? her dad because she's still only 12 years old so one brysa says she gets it another Bryce says her dad gets it so the question is what's going on over here? so maybe Rish Lokish is right when she goes free at the age of 12 she gets to keep it I'm sorry it goes to the father when she goes to the age of 12 it goes to the dad when she goes free because her dad died, that's when she gets to keep it. So perhaps, Rish Lakish is right, that when the father passes away, she goes free. That's Aye. when she gets it. doesn't matter the age, that's when she gets it. And when it says that the father gets it, that's when she goes at, at 12. Maybe that's how you explain this, Bryson. So the Gemara says, By the way, it says that when she, goes, uh, when she goes free, it goes to her dad. Also, all her lost objects, which she finds when she's a slave, go to her dad. The only thing that the master gets is the master gets the pay that she took for the time that she went to find the object, that goes to the master. But what do you see? One b'risa says it goes to her, one b'risa says it goes to her dad. How do you explain it? You have to explain it this way. When she ages out of the age of 12 and goes free, because she aged 12, it goes to her dad. The other way that she can go free is, Reish Lakish is right. She goes free when her dad dies. And when she goes free when her dad dies, that's when it goes to her. So the Gemara says, no. Reish Lakish is incorrect. Really, she only goes free by maturity. So how do you explain whether it goes to her or dad? Very simple. Is her father alive at the time? She could lose her father and still stay a slave. Rishlakesh is wrong. She loses her father, she still stays a slave. Here's the case. If she goes free at the age of... She always goes free at the age of 12. It's the only way she goes free, not because her father died. The question is, who gets it? Well, the answer is, is her father alive at the time? If she lost her father before the age of 12, she's still a slave, but it goes to her. If her father's alive, it goes to her dad. So Rishlakesh could be completely wrong. Loi... Okay, one last little point on this brysa. I'm trying to think of maybe I want to save tomorrow's dot looks as thick as today, but I don't know. Let's just one last point on this brysa, and that is, um, the brysa said that when a slave goes free, he gets it, and when a slave woman goes free, she gets it, or it goes to the dead. Why do you have to tell me that when the slave goes free, he gets the money? Who do we give it to? Again, a slave is like a 40-year-old man. He goes free. He gets the gifts. Who, who would I give it to? Who would I give it to? And the slave woman goes free. She gets the gifts. Well, who are you giving it to? Like, what, what, what's the chiddush here? The Gemara says, <speaking in Hebrew> Okay, I'll tell you the chiddush of the first case. The case is that, again, she goes free at 12, but she had already lost her father. The price is saying, Who gets the gifts? She does. What's the chiddush? Who would I think gets the gifts? Her brothers. Right? She has brothers. Her mother mother or brothers the same thing the point is you might think it goes to her family kamash no it goes to her okay i get that meaning and the chiddush is the halacha is that you pass over non-jewish slaves to the family members but jewish slaves no she's a woman she doesn't go to her siblings okay fine but the question is I don't understand the first part. The Brisis says that if a slave goes free, he gets the gifts. That's a 40-year-old adult male. Like, who would it go to? It's not gonna to go to his parents. It's not gonna to go to his brothers. Like, what's the chiddush of that? Like, why why do you have to tell me that? What would I what would I think otherwise? So the Gemara says, Amrav Yosef, Yud Kras There's a small yud in a large city. Meaning, um, he didn't have to write it. It wasn't necessary. Like just let it go. Like sometimes people say things and it's not really necessary. But like don't make a big deal out of it. So like he he said it. It wasn't necessary. But let's not make a big deal out of this. Which is interesting, by the way. You don't. The Gemara generally does not say that. Usually everything in the Gemara you're allowed to rip apart. Here the Gemara is saying. Okay, it wasn't necessary but don't don't make such a big deal out of it second answer the another answer is that uh, the, the, this is uh, follows the teaching of tutoi that we had yesterday and that is what if the slave owes money right let's say the gifts are a thousand dollars the slave owes a thousand dollars are you do you give it to the slave or do you give the guy he owes the money to no. To do what you want oh so that's the point the Bryce is saying give it to the slave and we ask the question who else would you give it to the Gemara saying maybe you think you should give it to the people he owes money to no you give it to him and he'll do with it what he thinks best but at least I understand why I have to say to give it to him to the exception not to give it to other people and that other people are not his family it's people that he owe money okay I'm going to do is I'm going to stop here I know we did not finish it off but this was a long enough DAF. And uh, uh, yeah, it's a tough one. I'll pick it up tomorrow from Goofa. And hopefully, we will be able to run through tomorrow's DAF. Uh, 48 minutes. Man lot. Have... All right, we'll stop here.